0: It's that deep customer empathy and I go back to that and it's just one of those topics that I love so much. It's just really being able to connect with people on an individual level and understanding you know what it's like um, to, to to form new friendships to understand the challenges and pains that people go through as well as you know what you're able to do uh, for them when when all things work out well.
1: This is Aaron May.
0: I'm John Henry Forster.
2: And this is Awkward Silences. (laughs)
1: Silences. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Awkward Silences. We're here today with Garrett Tsukata, head of Customer Connect UX Research Ops at Intuit. Today, we're going to talk about Research Ops for Democratization at Scale. So lots of good buzzwords there, but really we're going to talk about Garrett's experience in over eight years working at Intuit and how uh, Intuit has evolved their research operations, how the field is changing, and we're just going to jump right in and get into it. So excited to have you here, Garrett. Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Got you to here too.
2: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, democratization is more interesting to talk about when you're talking about it at scale, right? It's it's one thing. It's like, should we let that right, 1 p.m. Right. do some research uh, versus like, should we let like, those 500 people do this? So I think it's a, it's a much more interesting problem. So I'm excited to hear uh, about your experiences with it.
1: Well, yeah. And, and on that note, I think we're talking about just to get a sense of the magnitude of scale here, something like 14,000 people that you are helping to talk to customers every day. So how do you make that happen? How have you thought about... <laughs> Uh, you know that problem and that opportunity.
0: No, it's a it's a huge opportunity that I see for Intuit, and um, it really goes back to to our DNA. I would say, customer obsession is is one of our core values when it when it comes to um, everything we do, and, and it's not just understanding like what our customers behaviors are or what they do and don't but it's really being able to step in the shoes of our customers to deeply understand their problems understand what their pains are as well as you know what options they have uh really thinking about how we can apply discipline and rigor to to solving their problems but it's a good problem to have because what i've seen in my time here at intuit is just more customer obsession just more people wanting talk with customers whether they're researchers designers pms marketers but we all have a customer here um, and it's really about engaging with our customers on a regular basis in order to create that deep customer empathy
2: and when you're trying to uh, enable it for that many people just can we get a little bit more color or context on like who the people are is it basically just like everybody in the company is empowered to talk to customers and be very customer obsessed is it you know, mostly PMs and design or what's that actual breakdown look like in practice?
0: Yeah, no, I would say it's actually everyone has a customer into it. So you can be in an HR function. And when you think about who your customer is, well, these are employees. Um, everyone has a customer. But what our team primarily focuses on, um, I would say it's it's research, design, PM, marketing, more of a focus on our external customers. But at times we still jump in to help our internal customers as well.
1: And you've talked about how this customer obsession has always been a core value, right? But that it's grown over time. I'm curious, what have been some of the driving factors of, of that?
0: You know, when I take a step back and kind of look at some of the driving factors, I think it, it's just a natural change in, in the landscape of research is where I really see it. Um, I think there's more of a value on research. And what research is able to provide for companies, and I think what happens is, because of this, naturally you're going to see more designers and PMs and other functions being interested in these learning and insights. And it really is just, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity of scale, I guess you can say, that uh, with just more of a demand, we're going to have to kind of build out our functions and our processes in order to support all of this. How
2: does how does it go in practice? Like, I think the main thing that you'd hear people like, you know, the other side of the argument here is that, well, you got to do research well. You can't just let anyone do research. It seems like you all have leaned into just kind of letting everyone do research and, and engage with their customer. Yeah, what's that trade off like? Like, well, how does it actually work in practice?
0: Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot more difficult than it actually sounds and. Um, even although we say that you know everyone can just reach out and, and talk to customers, I think there's really partnership that you have to build with your with your research leadership in order for them to have confidence that they can lean into you. Um, and for us, what that means is it really starts with building out a framework and processes that goes into what we consider, I guess you can say, more strategic research and less strategic research. So. What that means for Intuit is, um, you know, it doesn't start with just, I need to talk with customers, but really understands where you are in that process of talking to customers. And, you know, are you going to be going, uh, is this more of deep customer empathy? Are you really focusing on more of like generative research that's going to inform design later on? But we ask a lot of questions upfront, to understand what is being done and from there we're actually able to make the appropriate suggestions on what resources they should be utilizing and it varies i mean sometimes like we we are very open and honest with the teams that sometimes that the research they're trying to do is out of our scope but we have a wonderful network of research leadership that we can actually lean into for support. So it really depends on, on what's trying to be done. But we try to anticipate as many of these uh, use cases as possible and just making sure that we have the appropriate offering uh, for each team that comes to us.
1: Well, and let's, let's back up because it sounds like where we are now is there are people coming to you and you have some existing tools to, like, help them, you know, do the kind of research they want to do wherever they are. But that didn't just happen overnight, right? And it's not like 14,000 people one at a time coming to you like, Garrett, help me out. So how did we get here where you are, you know, currently?
0: I don't know. Uh, so, so I would say that the the customer connect journey actually started quite some time ago. Um, our team has been into it for roughly gosh, like eleven or twelve years now, really starting off as more of like a research recruiting team. And over time, uh, what we've been able to do is really take a step back and reassess the value that we provide into it. And I would say really, where we've had kind of this aha moment is right around when Covid kicked in. And when you think about, uh, The loss of micro interactions and kind of learnings and all these things that we really took for granted i I think that they're really impactful when it comes to research and learning and it was so simple just to go into the labs and just kind of run an idea by someone really quick hey i'm going to talk to a customer can you just take a look at my research brief or discussion guide and with just the distributed nature of of teams now it it makes it a lot harder to get that feedback and where we felt that there's a lot more value is not just providing participants where we can just say here's your participant go ahead and talk to them uh, here's your research brief and discussion guide etc but really understanding what teams and individuals were trying to do asking these questions to figure out like how can we best help these people and ultimately what we landed on and what we found out is our our core services that we provide um, really haven't changed much the what hasn't changed much but how we actually provide that value has changed considerably and I would say one of the big opportunities that we have now is really thinking about how we lean into to education and learning and really thinking about okay so we know that there's a need to talk with customers we already understand that research teams are kind of um, running very thin at this point because there's so much research that has been going what value do we have as a research operations team to leverage a lot of our researchers and their learning to to help design and PM and really help other functions that normally wouldn't be able to go through research. Hmm.
2: What can we, um, can you like play it out a little bit of like, what does that look like for the end user into it? So like, let's say Aaron joins the team. She's a new marketer. She's like, Hey, I want to understand, you know, people who are buying our products. Like what is, what is their decision-making process? So I want to talk to some people who, you know, bought a product in the last month or whatever. What happens from there?
0: Yeah, so so I think one of the first things we would do is we'd actually. It's, I think it starts with deep customer empathy and actually understanding more about who these customers are, and that's one of those uh, one of the offerings that we currently have uh, where we like to call it a follow me home. Um, back you know pre COVID, but this opportunity to actually it's sit like, down so-
1: sounds risky, <laughs> right? Yeah, sounds sounds
0: a little risky, but uh, we've had to re- move all those to more of a re- remote offering. But it's just understanding, you know, what is it like. To be, for example, a small business owner, um, I know that as a marketer, like you're very, you're very competent and you have a great understanding of, of who you're selling to. But do you truly understand what it means to be a small business owner? And I think that's where it all starts—is this, with this deep customer empathy. What you're going to learn over time is there's certain challenges that just naturally come up and you're going to be able to go really narrow on what these opportunities are and understand how you can best solve for them. So through partnership of Customer Connect and our research teams, we're able to figure out you know, where you have the biggest opportunity and being able to, when you think about screening, scheduling, and compensating customers, kind of take over that operational logistical aspect and let you focus just on the research, just on the work and, and the learning and insights. And that's typically how it plays out. But I mean, I would say there's so many different offerings when you or opportunities when you think about uh, learning and education. And another opportunity that we're really focused on is not just kind of knowing who your customer is, but really from a global lens, you know, starting like day one, but why we're so obsessed with our customers and what the value is. So we're kind of looking at it from all kinds of different angles, but it's really about creating for us a culture of customer obsession and just making sure everyone understands. It's not an if, it's just a when you talk to customers. Um, and it's one of those things, again, like everyone has our everyone has a customer here and we just want to ensure that everyone understands what type of opportunity we have and, and truly what our mission is and what we're solving for.
1: Maybe it's obvious to folks at this stage, but just to to make it the obvious, obvious customer connect. What is that?
0: It's a great question. So um, we are a global research operations team. Uh, So on my team, it's composed of research operations program managers. We have research recruiters, we have data analysts, um, software engineers, everything that you would need in order to build out the research operations team at scale.
1: Mm -hmm. And how many folks do you have?
0: Uh, currently, we have about twenty-four people on our team.
1: Okay, so fourteen thousand divided by twenty-four. <laughs> okay, so you got to scale yourselves, you know, to be able to to do a lot. And uh, so you mentioned at this stage, you have lots of different kind of programs and opportunities for people to to tap into. What has been some of the most impactful or interesting things you've helped to develop over the years?
0: I would say one thing like actually to be quite honest what really excites me now is is really thinking about what it means to help drive education and learning and just kind of seeing what that opportunity is for va- and the value it creates and, and the reason why that's so important for me is i often go back and kind of think about okay so let's just say that we have a designer that's new to the company and if we just had an offering it says you just come to us we get you the people that you need and able to get your learning and insights and let's just say this person moves on to a different company i kind of feel that you know the value that we provided is knowing that they're going to be able to just find a team to recruit for them and the reason why i feel that the education aspect is so important is because we provide so much more value if we can build out these competencies where this person can be successful wherever they go and and that's truly what it's about for me um obviously there's, there's something to be said about being loyal to the company and making sure that uh, we understand who our customers are. But I feel that by creating these, these learnings and these competencies and this confidence in this person that they're going to be successful regardless of where they go. And ultimately, that's what really brings up um, the quality of, of everything we do. And, and that's where I kind of see like the big values. So I really see it as customer connect and into it as a great place to learn and grow your career especially when it comes to to talking to customers and understanding like what it means to be customer obsessed and being able to scale that, you know, anywhere you go.
2: And is that like, you know, so in that education, what form is that taking? Like people are able to go read some guides about how to be an effective interviewer and, and that kind of stuff. Or is it you're prepackaging insights that might be useful that they can, you know, just jump right into without having to do the research or like what, what parts of the process do you see uh, that
0: value coming to bear for uh, employees? I would say it's 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 less of the pre-packaging the insights. Um, and, and the reason being is, you know, insights are wonderful, but it's really about understanding who this person is and how they kind of got to these insights. So when I think about what is the value that we provide and how we can do that, um, you know, it, it can be in the form of a research brief or discussion guide. Um, it also comes in the form of how do you, how do you uh, facilitate a conversation? And and that's one of the things that we've heard from our partners most often is I'm not confident talking to a customer. I've never done this. So how can I do it effectively and confidently? And um, again, where we learn, it's like we're not just pulling things out of the air, but for us, we're actually talking to the people who are going to this, this process and talking to PMs and research teams and other design leads and understanding like what are the biggest challenges that you have engaging with customers, and how can we best support you and help you with that? And I, I actually find that that is the best way to figure out where you can truly create value for, for the team. And it's one of those things that, uh, again, we are learning every day. The, the opportunities that come up, they're not always obvious, but I think it's really, again, about building that trust and opening those lines of communication. So when things don't work well, they can come back to you. But also again, like when they have opportunities to learn and grow, like you can be their, their first line of support.
1: Do you have um, ongoing sort of systems for continuously discovering opportunities to help your internal clients, other folks who, you know, want to connect with customers to be able to do that. You mentioned that sometimes some things that wouldn't be obvious to you come up, right? Some some less obvious opportunities. I'm curious, you know, what some of those might be and what some of the the programs and educational opportunities you've been able to create that have come out of that.
0: Yeah, you, you definitely want to be able to savor all the surprises um, in everything you do. And I found that what I try to do um, for our research operations team is is really create a space where they can be curious about what's going on. And even though we've defined pillars of, of, um, excellence, I guess you can say, or things that we focused on, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not other opportunities out there. So I think it's, again, it's having these, these open channels of communication and feedback that we're able to identify a lot of opportunities. But again, it's kind of that culture and that mindset that really creates that opportunity for the team. And, um. You know, like I said, I mean, we're a team that we're a company that's customer obsessed. And it it also means that we as a research operations teams are obsessed with the people who go through our program. And we're just constantly like learning and and talking to our to our customers.
2: But I'm just I'm curious, like, how do you actually guardrail or make this system work? Right. Like what's going to stop somebody, some like new junior employee, from grabbing the contact info for, you know, the SVP of one of your largest clients and just like shooting them note, being like, hey, I want to talk to you or like, you know, or how do you get visibility into all the research that's going on so you can help, you know, with the review the research plan and, and do some of that enablement and education? Like, it just seems so massive. And it seems like so many people would be out there just doing things. And not that you want to centralize it for the sake of centralizing it, but it feels like you need to put some like shape and protection around it. And I'm just curious how you actually do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and for us, I think what what that means and what's actually worked very well is uh, we have an intake process that uh, any of our requesters need to go through in order to to meet with customers. And in that time, what we're able to do is truly understand like what what this person is trying to solve for, and it also gives us an opportunity to understand what their competency is. Um, the way I think about it is, as you graduate and become more competent and confident engaging with customers, there can be less handholding because uh, you understand, you know, what it means and why it's so important to be respectful of, you know, PII and data governance and so on. And really, what we like to do is think about the opportunities that we have with someone new to the team. And and the analogy that I always like to give people is when we first started to learn how to drive, we just didn't give keys to people and say, here you go. Uh, But you had a coach there. You had uh, someone sitting in that passenger seat with you telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing in order to get you to a place that you are able to drive on your own. And for us, when we think about what are those best practices, this is where we've been able to partner closely with research leadership to understand what are their biggest concerns and really echo the the message that they want uh, to instill in in all the employees that, that come through us. But uh, I would say, again, it's just a really good relationship that we have with our research teams to guide us into what best practices are and just kind of setting up that foundation where we can assess uh, where where we should be stepping in and, and where we can kind of lay off the brakes a little bit. That makes sense. Um,
2: but like at that scale, uh, to continue the analogy a little bit, like how do you know in the 14,000 people who has their license versus like who has their learner's permit? Right. Like how do you know who you <laughs> trust with doing research
0: and, and who you don't? I You know, it's. I don't think it's, it's an imperfect system in the sense that I don't think you can solve for every single use case. Um, but I will say, though, is that um, you have to have faith. And, and what we're trying to do is really trying to build out more programs at scale um, when it comes to engaging with customers, where they're going to be less of a uh, customer connect sort of offering and more of like an Intuit branded offering in the sense that when you first start with a company, you have to go through trainings when it comes to uh, you know like privacy and governance and all kinds of other things that they make you do you know when you're first hired on. and you know from the lens that we were thinking about is you know how do we incorporate something like this into into day one training where it's just like with the assumption that yes, you are going to be talking to customers, this is important. these are the things that you might have to be mindful of and when you are ready, this team is ready for you. Um, you can go to the customer connect team and they're going to be able to support you with those sort of things. So we're really trying to think about it again from kind of like a less off, just go through customer connect to more of an Intuit branded training um, to kind of start foundationally with a lot of those people,
1: without giving away any of the the secret sauce. But uh, you know, you heard it here exclusively on on awkward silences. What are some of those key things you want people to know on day one right that want to be talking to customers and that you want to as they grow it into it or maybe someday leave into it are going to be better advocates for talking to customers but are able to do it effectively what are some of those things you really want to get across that you really want people to internalize and know
0: i think um <clears throat> one of the first things i would say is just why it's so important And as we think about, you know, people coming into different roles, you know, they're very competent, you know, with design and marketing and research and so on. But, you know, you have to understand who your customer is and who you're solving for. And I would say that's probably the biggest thing that uh, when when I advocate for customer obsession and why it's so important to talk to customers, it's really understanding who you're solving for, because we have to understand that customers have options. You know, I think with just the accelerated rate at which technology is moving and just, you know, the options out there, um, if you don't understand what you're solving for and accept that your your customer has options, it's like, you know, it's likely that you're going to be left behind when you think about um, the big picture. So I would say that's one of the biggest things. Um, I would say the other thing too is, it's it's that deep customer empathy, and I go back to that. And it's just one of those topics that I love so much. It's just really being able to connect with people on an individual level and understanding, you know, what it's like um, to, to to form new friendships, to understand the challenges and pains that people go through, as well as you know what you're able to do uh, for them when when all things work out well. But um, there's just you know, like I said, just a number of different things that. We focus on, but I would say that the the competency is a part of it, but it's really more about understanding why it's so important.
2: All right, a quick, awkward interruption here. It's fun to talk about user research, but you know what's really fun is doing user research, and we want to help you with that.
1: We want to help you so much that we have created a special place. It's called userinterviews.com slash awkward for you to get your first three participants free.
2: We all know we should be talking to users more. So we went ahead and removed as many barriers as possible. It's going to be easy. It's going to be quick. You're going to love it. So get over there and check it out.
1: And then when you're done with that, go on over to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review, please.
2: To jump back to something you shared previously, you mentioned like an intake form. Is that that something that all research is going through, like whether I'm trying to do some evaluative stuff on a prototype versus some, some higher level discovery stuff?
0: yes absolutely and and the reason being is you know i think part of it is focused on the research but we really want to understand um who is doing the research and that's the reason why we ask so we really want to understand um you know what is your comfort level talking to to customers have you done something like this when you think about uh the insights that you're gonna get, you know, thinking about how you communicate those with with the people around you. Are you gonna be talking to senior leadership? Is this gonna be something that's gonna be, you know, more for yourself? But it's it's really kind of getting a better idea. We wanna see what the big picture looks like so we can have as much data as possible in order to make the right recommendations when it comes to resources.
2: Gotcha. And what's, like, the turnaround on something like that? So, you know, people submit uh, an intake form. Is that something that, like, is pretty timely in terms of somebody from your team reaching out and kind of coaching them through it? Or is there, like, a backlog? Or how do you, how do you keep up with, I guess, the demand?
0: Absolutely. You know, it's, I think we're, we're very fortunate in the sense that uh, we have a fairly large team to keep up with a lot of this demand. But on average, you know, when just depending on the complexity of studies, it's like we're able to finish anything from like, you know, four to seven business days, which is which is very, very quick when you think about research operations and uh, participant management. But, you know, we it hasn't been like this, you know, always. It's like it took us a long time to get to this place. But what we found over time is we are having problems scaling. And for us, you know, we had to kind of take a step back and really look at what the offering was how it was being used and kind of figure out is this the best use of our time and are there other ways for us to empower teams to connect with customers without our team doing the actual work
1: and did you what did you decide did you did you find that there were were ways or
0: Uh, absolutely absolutely i think there's there's just a number of different ways that you can look at it and you know for us when it comes to the actual participant management um, we see it as you know multiple offerings in a sense that you can do something that's more full service where you can manage the the recruiting and the compensation and the scheduling and whatnot and we really like to reserve that more for someone who's new so we can really hold their hand through this entire process and help them understand um, what they should be doing but you know as as people kind of come through our doors more frequently and we're more confident that they're able to do things what we want to be able to do, is um, kind of graduate them to more of an assisted offering. And you know, ideally the hopes of going into more of like a self-service offering where they can kind of lean into us when they need to. But we want to afford them the flexibility of being able to to pick their own participants to really figure out like when scheduling works for them and be less of a bottleneck in the process. But uh, yeah just, just just tons of different ways you can look at it and really figure out what that value is and you know at times it could be one of those things too where it's like they don't even need to talk to customers through us but it might be more of like a training opportunity so again it's really more of a focus on the actual person coming through our doors.
2: Can I ask a, I have a pretty specific question on the participant management side since that's obviously something we do with our research hub project uh, product and when I've gone out and talked to research ops people at, at large companies, one of the things I, I see of a clear like pain point around is like, just like the contact limits or kind of suppression rules in the sense of we don't want to take what should be a really positive interaction, you know, somebody reaching out to get feedback from a user and the user being able to share their opinions, into something negative because they're getting hit up, you know, multiple times throughout the same week because all of these different people are doing research in, a, in an uncoordinated way. Is that, is that
0: something you think about? I'm just curious if that's, uh, if that resonates with you. Oh, abso- absolutely. Um, I think it, it's always important to think about what is that customer experience because in the end, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, it's a marketing email or a sales email or something that says, hey, we're going to pay you for your time. Like, you know, email to them is email. Um, And, and, you know, for, for us, it's like what I've realized is that there's other ways to get to get these sort of people who are interested in providing feedback, you know, leveraging things like, you know, voice of customer, social media, sales teams. But there's so many other ways that we can actually engage with people who want to talk with us as opposed to kind of reaching out there and figuring out like, hey, are you interested in providing feedback? You know, please let me know if you are. But uh, it it is for us, it has been a constant um, place to experiment about what is that ideal. But for us, we definitely try to contact people less frequently and really make it more of a value proposition where, you know, if we're going to reach out by phone, we want them to understand like, hey, we just want to get feedback, but your feedback is really important. We understand that you as a user have challenges with this and help them understand that it is really for the greater good of other people who might be in the same situation that they might be experiencing. So it's a very high-touch opportunity for us uh, to to help our users understand why it's so important for them to to participate.
1: When you think about... So you've been at this work for for a while and have iterated on your education uh, programs and so on. What advice would you give someone... I mean I want to say entering a similar situation, but I guess part of the point is that the the situations are not in fact similar <laughs> that that each company is unique and the needs of each company are unique. But how would you approach based on some of the the lessons you've learned and successes or failures along the way uh when you think about just you know sort of empowering your entire company to talk to customers, whether it be better or more frequently or whatever the goal is? Uh, what have you learned along the way that might might help others?
0: To, to scale an operation like this? <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely, it's, to your point, it's, it's very unique in the sense that uh, no research operations program is ever going to be, it's always going to be different just based on the needs of the company. But what I found um, is in order to really create impact, um, it's being able to lead with a clear vision being super clear about what we are solving for and ultimately what that allows you to do is accelerate the velocity at which you're able to deliver because you have things like alignment so when i think about customer connect for example um the values that we provide align very clearly with with uh with intuits values of customer obsession and ultimately with our mission statement of power and prosperity around the world and then i kind of dig in a little bit more. And I ask myself, like, okay, so how are we doing this? And why are we able to accelerate with such velocity? It's because there's less noise. We understand very clearly what we can and can't support. And then ultimately, by being so narrowly focused, it allows us to go really deep on the customer problems and understand like where we have tremendous value to iterate. And And the difference being is, you know, if we didn't do that, then we would probably come out with more of a less impactful experience maybe something a little bit more incremental but again we choose to focus on our time where it's going to create the most value for the company and the team
2: i'm curious since you know your team is so large you support so many particular if, if you had kind of had a, a magic wand to throw the classic question at you like what's the number one thing you'd like to solve right now or, or the biggest like opportunity that you're wrestling with uh for your team i would say that
0: uh the biggest thing that we that we wrestle with, you know, if I had a magic wand, I would say the first thing that I wish we could have done is gone back 30 years and set up research operations, you know, um, <laughs> at, the, at the start of the company, um, you know, but that ship has has long since sailed. So I would say that the biggest challenge right now is being able to really create and implement the processes, um, creating the guardrails. I would say is is the biggest challenge because there's such a need to, to talk to customers that you want to stay flexible and you want to be mindful of the needs of the people who, who need to speak with customers, but you also have to have like the right processes and guardrails. And it's a really fine line that you have to walk. And at times you feel like you're kind of slowing down the process by actually having these guardrails in place. But um, I think ultimately it's a good thing because you're going to take that time to really understand like, you know, is this really the appropriate offering for a team? Are we really doing the right thing for our customers? So just creating a little space, I actually think is a good thing, but um, just being able to to implement guardrails and processes in a way that doesn't slow down progress, I would say is probably like the biggest opportunity.
2: It makes sense. Uh, just to follow up quickly, you mentioned, you know, if you could go back and just have research ops there at the founding of the company, I'm curious, what do you think would be different if, if research ops had just been there from the start?
0: I feel like what you're able to do is you're actually able to get ahead of things before they begin to scale. And what you're going to be able to do is, is grow with, with the opportunity and learn with that opportunity. And I often feel like when you come into any company and research and design is very established in their process, to come in and set up a research operations team it's very challenging because a lot, of, a lot of the teams and a lot of the individuals kind of have a process in place or they're, they're used to more autonomy. And and for a team to come in and kind of say, well, you know what? Like that it's we want to kind of set up some best practices and guardrails and we want to get a heads up when you want to talk to customers. And if you can let us know like a couple weeks early, it'd be great. But um, it's just it's that it's change management. It's being able to, to work through the change, I think, is is the most difficult part. So by being able to do that early on in the process, it's not a question of it. It's just one of those things that we've always done. So so my my suggestion to anyone starting a research operations function is you want to get in as early as possible and really take everyone along for the ride. This isn't one of those things where it's like research operations is here to slow down the process and tell you what you can and can't do. But it's really a collaborative effort to ensure that we're all on the same page working towards the same goals and we have our customers best interests in mind. And again, it's just a lot easier when you start that from the, from the very beginning as opposed to kind of playing catch up in the process.
1: Garrett, I know you used to be a practicing user researcher. Uh, I think some research ops folks come from ops and others from research and others from probably somewhere else. But uh, as a former researcher, you know, I always like to ask people what they love about user research. So what do you love about research? What do you love about research ops?
0: Oh, good good question. For, for research, what I love is feeling that... Um, I love making those personal connections and having that understanding of uh, of our customers. But being able to communicate that with with other teams, being able to help influence design, um, to have other teams have you know greater empathy for our customers, I, I love that part of research and really feeling like you're making a difference. Uh, and being able to connect the impact of your work, you know, with spe- with specific people that you you've actually connected with, I I love that part of research. And when it comes to research operations, I love feeling that we're able to take a lot of that work off the plates of anyone wanting to connect with customers. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to research. Uh, a lot of moving logistical pieces, you know, when it comes to screening and scheduling and so on, and allowing teams to just focus on what the most important thing is for them. I find a lot of satisfaction in that. Um, it's it's truly a thankless job. But when you see what teams are able to accomplish because of the work that you did and see what their learning and insights were and seeing how they're able to um, create change within the company or, or drive the direction of, you know, new products and features. Um, it's very satisfying and very fulfilling. And, and that's why um, I just love the space of research operations.
1: Garrett, thanks for being with us today. It's been a pleasure to have you.
0: Ah, thank you so much. It's been wonderful being here. Thank you. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences brought to you by User Interviews.
2: Theme music by
0: Fragile Gang.